welcome to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight, the podcast where we uncover the secrets of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who've used public speaking to skyrocket their businesses and their bottom line. Get ready for captivating stories, valuable insights, and practical wisdom from the trailblazers who've mastered the art of the stage. I'm your host, Kelly O'Hara, and I'm thrilled to bring their experiences and expertise directly to you. Let's get started. viewers and listeners, welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight, where we bring you inspiring stories and powerful insights from the brightest minds in the world of entrepreneurship and public speaking. And I'm your host, Kelly O'Hara, and today we have a true trailblazer and business guru joining us. So let me tell you a little bit about Katrina Sawa. She's an accomplished author, a uh, highly sought after business development coach and a true advocate for entrepreneurial success. And she has a passion for helping CEOs, entrepreneurs, authors, and coaches take their businesses to the next level using the power of public speaking. And she's left an indelible mark on the lives of countless individuals. So her expertise shines through in her acclaimed Jumpstart Your book series, starting with a flagship book, Jumpstart Your Business Now, serving as the entrepreneur's ultimate guide to building profitable ventures, doing what they love. I have a copy of this book right here. It is wonderful. Her straight from the heart, let's get to the point, wisdom and guidance have steered aspiring business owners towards let's get straight to the point success, providing them with the tools and strategies they need to thrive in their chosen fields but her impact doesn't stop there. She's also a shining example of how public speaking can propel one's career forward. She's really got this warm and engaging stage presence and an innate ability to connect to her audience. And she's harnessed the power of speaking engagements to grow her own business exponentially. So today I am truly delighted to have her here as our special guest. So let's jump into the incredible journey of the exceptional author, business development coach, and entrepreneur, Katrina Sawa. Kat, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Kelly. That was an amazing introduction. I didn't even write it. Like, that was cool. Right? Don't you love that? <laughs> came from me. Just saying, but that's how, how that happened. She's too now, I, now I have to live up to the stage presence for sure. Like, oh my God, I have stage presence. What? Like, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. In fact, you put on one of the best summits in the last few months that was just, I was there all three days and I was glued because you're really fun and interesting and yet very impactful and thought provoking. And I really appreciate that. It takes a lot to keep my attention for three days on one thing when I got so many things going on. Thank you very much. Yes. You are a lot of people do to say that about me because I'm, you know, you oh. have to keep you have to keep people's attention, especially virtually these days. My God, are they multitasking or they're clicking off or whatever? Yeah, it's that engagement. So it's true. Well, your events and your speeches are always jam-packed. So no pressure here, but just saying. Okay, so first thing I gotta ask you is you gotta share a little bit about your journey as a business development coach and the author of the Jumpstart Your series. What inspired you to become a coach and write books on entrepreneurship? Um, well, <laughs> first of all, I never wanted to write a book because I thought, uh, why do I want to sell a $20 thing when I can sell a $200 thing, a $2,000 thing or a $20,000 thing? Why would I focus on a $20 thing? 
But then I saw my friends getting on stages and getting clients because they had a book and, you know, just getting more credibility or TV and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Use it as a marketing tool. Got it. All right. So I'll get a book app or two or three or four. Now I have 20 and two more coming out this year. So, and most of them are compilation books. So I wrote a chapter in it, but the jumpstart your blank series is uh, where the authors fill in the blank with what they help people jumpstart. So um, I just made that up one day. Like I, I want to do a compilation book. I want to help more people become authors is what I tried to do with that book. And I'm like, well, it has to go with my brand somehow jumpstart your biz now. So like jumpstart your plank. I don't know. Cause I have so many different types of clients, right? I don't all work just 20 divorce coaches, but anyway, so that's the book thing. And then it's just cheaper to do your own books and have a publishing company, jumpstart publishing, um, but originally I was in ad sales for the local newspaper. And that's why I really fell in love with the small business owner. So <laughs> you are so, I love this about you. Um, you are really, uh, and I've noticed in your program all about specific foundational steps and strategies and systems and marketing. I mean, you are all about the marketing. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd like to know, give me, give me a couple of your top, fundamentals that you the fundamental principles that you put out in your book that are very consistent that you say these are just a must they're non-negotiables well i think something that a lot of entrepreneurs forget to do is always be marketing always be marketing always be marketing because wherever you go whatever you do you should always be looking and thinking and hearing if there's any opportunities to chime in with what it is you do with the conversation or um, sometimes I walk by bulletin boards in, in different cities and I'm like, oh, can I put my cards there? I'm like, okay. And I'll pull out a stack of cards and stick them there. Why not? It's free. It's like 10 business cards is nothing. You know, now first you have to have 10 business cards or 50 sitting in your purse. I do at all times. And then you have to be able to, you have to, well, you think, well, why put them in Northern Idaho? Well, I don't know. I have friends there. I have clients there. Why not put them in Northern Idaho if I'm in a coffee shop and I have an opportunity? You know, when I had a, my first couple of books, I did reverse shoplifting. Reverse shoplifting is when I'm in the, you're in the bookstore or I was mostly the airport because I'd be traveling around and you walk into the book section of the airport and you take one of your books out of your purse and you stick it on the shelf. So you leave your book on the shelf in the bookstore, that's reverse shoplifting. And I can't take credit for that. My One of my previous mentors, Craig uh, Deswalt, did teach that. And so I like to give him credit because it's amazing. It's so much fun. And you feel like you're stealing, but you're not stealing. You're actually donating books to the bookstore, which is seems odd. But then you step back. I do it usually on the kiosk, right at the door, you know, because there's usually a book kiosk. And then I put it right next to Brian Tracy or right next to, you know, some big, you know, uh, I don't know, Marianne Williamson or whoever. It doesn't matter. Like, and then I'll take a picture. Oh, look at my books in the bookstore in San Antonio. I look at the bookstore. It's in the bookstore over in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, super fun. Always take advantage of Mark marketing opportunities and creative ones yeah <laughs> Katrina every time I talk to you I by the time we're off the show I will have had five new ideas I mean honestly she is endless in her ability to market herself in the most fun ways and one of the things that strikes me is that it just delights you 
it drives <laughs> you. This is so much fun. Your students talk about it. Like they just walk out of any meeting with you. They have to they have to record the meeting because it just comes off you so quickly. You're a fabulous coach. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Say that for well, you do have to make it fun, yeah. right? Because a lot of people, I would say the majority of entrepreneurs don't really like. I was teach, I was speaking at a group the other day on marketing. And the very first question I asked was like, do you, about marketing, do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you tolerate it? And I would say 70% of the audience said they had a love-hate relationship with marketing. They loved some things. They hated a lot of things. And you know, my goal is to get you to love more stuff. And really, you could stop doing some of the things you hate and just focus on the things you love and do more of that. And you'll probably do even better, right? It's brilliant. <laughs> okay, so I love that. Let's, since we're on the six-figure speaker spotlight, let's yes. talk about public speaking because obviously you've been involved in that for a long time. We know you're a fearless marketer. But were you always a fearless speaker? <laughs> and that's a big question. I want to know that. Were you always right there, ready to go? And what was that journey like for you? Well, okay. So in the beginning, no, I didn't. Like I used to have a talk that was called the three keys to uh, client attraction or something like that. I forget. It was a long time ago. And I could never remember the three keys. I could never remember the three points. Like it was my memory. It was just always gone. I always had to have a cheat sheet or a piece of paper or something, literally. I mean, I was doing it for a year and a half and I couldn't, and I still couldn't for some reason remember that. Most of it was in PowerPoint days and all that. And so like I had the PowerPoint, but if the power was out or whatever, thank God I would always come prepared and print. So I, yeah. That I mean, once though I could spit out my talk or my points in my sleep, once you can do that, it's so much easier. You can take the stage at the drop of a hat. If someone, if you're an event and some, oh, so the speaker cancels, who, you know, oh, Katrina, can you say, oh, sure, no problem. I know my three points. I know my three keys, right? I know my, I know my talk. I can get up there. And I don't necessarily, I never give the same talk ever the same way. I don't have any kind of, Okay, this is a secret that I don't share only to my clients usually. I don't practice my talks. Wow, <laughs> practice, that's different. It, I don't, and I'm not suggesting you should do that. <laughs> that is, But I think being a little bit off the wall, being able to run with the different audiences, I like to kind of get a feel for who's in my audience. I'm very intuitive and I'll be like, mm, I have a sense that like 60% of them are kind of not, really interested in this and 40% are. So I have to make it fun for the 60% and maybe throw in a couple other things so it makes them want to listen. So I really pay attention to my audience and I could literally go up there. Maybe I'm like a comedian or something. I don't know. I could go up there and I could talk about a lot of different things at this point. But in the beginning, no, I couldn't. I had to have a, I had to have my keys you know, my three keys. And I, the hard part was the intro and the close, right? Because until I remember that you had in the intro, you have to position yourself, your topic, your your uh, title, and or your topic, your in yourself, your audience, and your clothes. So those are the four things you have to position in your intro. But until I could actually remember those four things, which took a few years actually, um, when I was trained on that, um, I would have to write it down or have to have points. So 
and I didn't practice. You'd think if I would have practiced, I would have gotten it down faster, but I didn't like to practice. So I didn't practice. So it took me longer. So I'm just saying like, you know, it took me longer to get to six figures than it probably could have, but um, now it's, now I'm okay. I think a lot of people in our audience are gonna relate to that. And I think yeah. that's a really different strategy from so many coaches <laughs> that say, you've got to memorize your signature talk just have one and make the same talk over and over again. And I think that there are many of us that say, oh, gosh, that's that's really difficult. I cannot. I'm not. I'm very creative. I, I, I'm a list girl, though. I'm very organized. You should see the categories and all the folders on my computer. I mean, some people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I know exactly where to find anything and everything at any point in time. So I'm, I think like that, I think in systems. So but I'm also very kind of loose when it comes to speaking now. So because I'm a people person. Now, if you're an introvert, it might not be as easy for you to do this, right? Um, I, maybe because I can relate to people. I can just ask questions. I've been on stage though and like forget my whole talk. And like, what am I talking about? There's a topic. And that was before I knew my content so well. Once you start doing workshops and webinars and trainings and you have workbooks and you have books and things that you've written, I mean, there's no way not to know your training. There's no way not to know what you can talk about, right? In my opinion, I may think, so I don't need to practice. I just need to keep creating all this stuff. <laughs> and then I don't know. So she's just always creating and then she has to remember what she's created. <laughs> I sound a little scattered, but I and yet I tell you, not. I'm very organized, but I go into an audience a lot of times totally different than a lot of the professional speakers, the ones now. I don't go after speeches where I want to get paid five to $50,000. That is not my type of speaking. I am the marketing speaking. I do the free speaking for leads and uh, clients. Okay. So the people that are listening, going what to their keynote, I'm like, I wouldn't do that if I was a keynoter, which is why I'm not a keynoter and why I don't do TEDx. Okay, I'm not going to do a TEDx because I don't want to practice my talk and I don't want to figure out how to time it for 18 minutes and do it a gazillion times because that would drive me crazy. It's not important enough for me to do that. Um, so yeah, there's just different things matter. What matters to me is making a lot more money doing what I love so I can have the life that I want with my family and then showing other people how to do the same thing so they can have a better life. You're such a dichotomy. I love that. I mean, you really are. I, I, I love your strategy and I know you to be extremely organized. You cannot believe this woman's ability to set up systems. They're beautiful. And yet off the cuff, every time I see you, you're amazing. So that's, that's too much fun. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see other entrepreneurs make when they're using public speaking as a marketing strategy? Yeah. They forget a lot of the little details, okay? So a lot of times they'll get up on stage and they'll flash a QR code, but not the URL. Or like, or they'll um, pass out a flyer without all the details on it or a way to actually collect them back. Or they'll do some, I don't know, there's, I'm a detail person. So I can look at all the little things that go, ooh, you're missing this, 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 and this, right? And so there's, they don't always see all the details. And so I think a lot of the leads will fall through the cracks. A lot of the leads and the sales will fall through the cracks um, for one. Okay. And so 
And why are they missing the details? I don't know. Maybe it's an experience with marketing or, I mean, I used to be in advertising sales. So I literally would go to the client, figure out what they wanted to put in their ad. And then I would literally lay out the ad myself, handwrite it. And then I would give it to the designer and then I would double check it and I would see what's missing and make sure everything was there. A lot of people just kind of do stuff on Canva now and then they forget their address. So they forget their phone number. They forget the, the, the things that are so important. Um, I don't know. There's, so those are one thing because speakers, we need marketing materials. I, I mean, you need banners. You need certain things on that banner. It can't just be your big old picture. You know, it needs you for, for a full rounded marketing effect. There's different ways. There's different things you want to have. So you're going to need banners. You're probably going to need some flyers or handouts or bookmarks or something. Um, uh, tchotchkes or whatnot. You might need order forms. And yes, we still, I still use order forms, hand, you know, printed order forms at live events because I want to get their information and I want to be in charge of putting it into my system. I don't want to give them a cue card and hope that they go and click it and enter and leave it in their hands. No, I want to get all the contact information still today. I am old school with that. And a lot of people leave it to chance and they go digital only, no paper. And I think that's a big mistake because there's a lot of people that are getting lazy and they just don't want to do that. Or, or you put up a QR code when we're on our phone. Like, how am I going to take a picture of the QR code when I'm on the phone? Like, I don't. So you're just not thinking of all the different details and how to get all the contact information of as many people as possible so you can follow up. Fantastic actionable steps that I was going to ask you about because, um, and, and I think you have a gift for that for advertising of knowing exactly what to put on that ad in those materials. Bar none, I think you're amazing at how you put together all of your materials and you cover all the bases. That's certainly a gift. You will not be left wondering, is there more? Is there, you, you get it. Whatever you send out, it's very clear. So yeah. that's amazing. So talk to me about. The kind of stages that you that have been the most powerful for you and that you recommend for your your students. Well, and uh, as far as speaker training, I don't necessarily have a speaker training program. I have done them in the past. Um, and so speaking, but not speaker training, the one best for I, your your coaching yes. students. Yes, I get it. So all my, all my clients are all different and many, I would say the majority of them do need to speak to grow their business because, and they're mostly doing the free type of speaking to get leads and stuff. So I'm teaching them all the marketing materials. I'm teaching them how to get the leads and I'm teaching them how to, you know, be prepared in the first place to go get yourself booked and, and all that kind of stuff. And the kinds of things that if they're newer at speaking, then of course, they're going to the local areas. They're going to the chapters of uh, memberships they belong to, right? Chambers and women's organizations. Um, if they need to go outside their, their circle and their sphere of influence, then of course, there's lots of different ways to find other speaking gigs, including speaker tunity and, and um, gosh, so many different ways. But some most of the clients I work with are not quite ready to go out into the big stages yet. And so they still are getting their feet wet in the 20 to 40 person audience still yeah so that's the great place to start that's mm -hmm. a great place to start yeah okay. lots of ways well last but not least i think i'll ask you about scaling your business and share with the audience different ways that you would build out you know i know you believe in multiple streams of income as an entrepreneur 
Name your top three that you think are, have been the most um, valuable to you and yeah. brought you the most. Well, um, if someone's a coach, obviously there's coaching, there's group and there's one-on-one, right? But there's a couple of different types of groups. Um, I learned early on to do a high-end mastermind. Some people want to do a mastermind that's a low-end. And in my mind, the mastermind should be a higher-end investment and maybe a mentorship or a membership should be the lower end. Um, I haven't had a lot of financial success from the low-end memberships. I've had many of them. I've had four different memberships at all different price points. And still to this day, only 50 people at most in any of those, um, except for my free speaker network, there was a lot more there, but that was free, right? No money. Uh, and so uh, I personally just love coaching. And so I know depending on who your client is, my client needs more access to me. They need to have someone's eyeballs looking at what they're doing and showing them how to pivot, change, change this, add this, you know, say this differently. So they need more one-on-one. So I still do one-on-one and I'm 21 years into my business. Okay. So a lot of people in where I'm at in my business, they don't do one-on-one anymore, or it's a hundred thousand for the year. And I'm not a hundred thousand for the year, right? Because I want to work with people who want to get moving. And I just think access is so important. And so I don't tell clients to not do one-on-one to do group because it's leverage time and you can have more people because in the beginning, especially the first three to five years, you don't have enough people to make a group usually. And you may not even be doing workshops and stuff in order to sell into a group. So you, I think you, I think one-on-one is, is not a dying breed. I think it's uh, probably the most lucrative thing that I do is one-on-one coaching. I think that's going to be really encouraging. I hear the same thing that a lot of people, they don't want to do the one-on-one coaching. They think they want to go to the group and the mastermind, but it sounds like you get so much yourself out of doing one-on-one that there's a lot of value to that personally. So um, I will ask you my very, very last question. Balance, I know you to be a very busy woman. You have your hands in a lot of pies. You do a lot of things out in the speaking community. You put on your own events, you host groups, you have one-on-one. How do you keep the balance and the family life? What's the key to that? Well, how I'm doing it now and how I did in the beginning and on the way is not the same because in the beginning, I needed to make a lot more money in order to pay the bills and, you know, keep investing and stuff. And so how I had balance was not a lot of balance. <laughs> like I didn't have a lot of balance. I mean, I probably worked 70 hours a week way back when, right? Building my business. And when I was single, it was even harder or harder to have balance because what am I going to do at night? Nothing. I got a dog and like me and the dog and I might as well work because I work from home. So unless my girlfriends wanted to go out, I was working, right? Because what else? I'm not going to, I just sitting in, ah, I just, so now though I'm married and we've been together for uh, 11 years this year, this summer. And so I, the longer I'm with him, the less I'm work, the less I'm, you know, putting on the calendar. So, and the more I'm more stubborn with my boundaries, but I'm also making a lot more money. So I'm probably making three times as much as money way back when. So By having the boundaries. Yeah. But having more in place. I mean, it's, it's a process, you know, you don't make, you don't get rich overnight. It's not, if you're looking for that get rich quick, 
quick, whatever the word is. Yeah, stream, it doesn't exist. I mean, there's people selling it though. There's people selling it, okay? And then I, I get the people after they bought all those other things and said, well, I spent 50,000 on this person and 25,000 on that person. I'm still at ground zero. I'm barely making anything. I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you didn't find me first, but, <laughs> and I can't help what other people do. But this is about building the business for long-term success and long-term sustainability and money-making and continuing to evolve yourself along the way because nothing I did back then is the same as I do it now. And so people think they have to get the perfect thing now and the perfect branding and the perfect program and the perfect thing that'll sustain them forever. And that's just not gonna happen. <laughs> I love your perspective, Katrina. You make things doable. You make people feel like all things are possible. And best of all, you make things fun. You make business fun. I think that's a gift that you have. So I know everybody listening to this had to really enjoy listening to Katrina. I'm so grateful to have had you on the show. You just, I always tell you this whenever I see her, it's as if she swallowed a light bulb. She is just this wonderful energy full of ideas nothing stops her i'm just so grateful to have had you on the six figure speaker spotlight and i look forward to the next time i get to have you on again because there's more coming i can tell awesome thanks thanks Allie. so much katrina i'll see you soon okay all right now i'll stop recording i know you have to go um thank you for joining us on this episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive once again into the remarkable stories and insights of our incredible guests. Their experiences and wisdom are not just meant to inspire you, but to provide you with actionable steps to take on your own path to success. Remember, you have a story to tell and your voice has the power to transform your business and make lasting impact. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an empowering conversation. We'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a review and share the show with your friends, colleagues, and your fellow visionaries. Until next time, keep speaking, keep growing, and keep reaching to make your difference. This is Kelly O'Hara signing off from the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight.